anarchists, violent mobs, arsonists, looters, criminals, rioters. Poor kids are just as bright and just as tall as white kids. I said, please don't be too nice. We choose truth over facts. I am your president of law and order. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. In the white room with black curtains near the station. Inside Agitator, episode 31. This is a really special app. Uh, we got to talk to Ryan Cooper. Um, journalist at the week, co-host of Left Anchor Pod, about the current drama going on with uh, basically the movement now calling themselves Force the Vote, um, meaning whether or not uh, AOC and other progressive members uh, should withhold their vote from Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House to force a vote on Medicare for All and bring it to the floor. Um, a lot of people have argued against this, saying, well, we know it's going to fail, Um all the progressive pushing for this know that, um, and and this is a strategy being pushed just, A, mainly because it's a moral necessity in a time of a pandemic, but B, that it actually is good long-term strategy to, to move the conversation forward, uh, force Democrats to vote for it and defend said position during their primaries, and also strengthen our position in the upcoming primaries. And um, what Jimmy Dore will say over and over again is that we'll probably won't ever get a chance to bring this to a vote until 2025, if that um so we might as well do it now, um, which, you know, all solid, solid arguments. Um, but then there's a lot of detractors saying, you know, Jimmy should not be attacking AOC. Um, and and I, I probably do agree with that to an extent. He, he has been what you would call maybe harsh on her. Um, but, you know, there's definitely people on both sides of this argument. Um, and definitely probably the greatest case of left in fighting we've seen in a while. Um, so yeah, but my my thing, why do we even have to care about like being nice to like people like AOC? Like they, Jimmy Dore over and over again. Whenever I watched this stuff, was like, yeah, show clips of AOC saying, yeah, we have to make Democrats uncomfortable in order to pass legislation. So now mm -hmm. we're gonna make AOC uncomfortable, so she makes Nancy Pelosi uncomfortable. You yeah, know, like we're just following her same rhetoric that she said, you know, to to yeah. effectively get this change that she has campaigned for. That's yeah. entirely what she based her campaign on. Yeah. Um, and then Jimmy now it seems often, like she's. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy will play that clip of her literally saying um, now is the time, not later. When they tell you later, they're lying. Pressure. Do it now. You will play that video on loop, basically. Um, so you're spot on. Yeah. Um, so you've been watching the Jimmy Dore content? You're a little caught up on this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, All yeah, right. So that, what I are your thoughts? I well, I I agree with what Jimmy Dore says. Like, why? <laughs> That's like, use your leverage. We have power in the House now with, like, you know, some progressives. What is it, like 10, 12 at this point? Yeah, it's more than – um. Yeah. you only need six votes um, to, to yeah. you know, basically shut down the House. So – we have more than yeah. that. Yeah, so we have more than that. So we need to leverage our power as progressives when we have it. Yeah, which is that. not often. <laughs> yeah, which is probably one of the only times we'll have it after, the, you know? Yeah, no. That um, it be this strong. That it be this many people. Because, like, think about it. They're, they're going to, I think the establishment's going to try and, I guess, rally back in 
with these people. I don't know. Yeah, I think they are. And I think that's kind of what we're inadvertently playing into. Like, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, AOC's a horrible person. She's a sellout. She's one of them. They've corrupted Mm her. But, you know, maybe the latter point has some truth to it, uh, where you're a part of this institution. You, You start to see, you know, okay, this is maybe the right route. We'll play a little nice. We can get a committee assignment. Um, hilariously, during the interview um, we had with Ryan Cooper, news broke that AOC, the committee assignment she was eyeing, there was a coup basically orchestrated against her to not give it to her um, and, and to give it to a more centrist Democrat. So like, which kind of proved almost mid-interview that, oh, the Jimmy Dore crew might be right. Like, I don't know that there is any playing nice with these people. Um, yeah. What AOC's argument is, is that there would be such a power vacuum if we did actually get rid of Nancy Pelosi and she could be replaced by someone worse. And there are worse Democrats out there. And Ryan Cooper advanced this argument, too. But um, basically, my thing is, you know, replace Nancy Pelosi with a houseplant, first of all. Who gives a shit? It could be it could literally be anyone that's more progressive than her. Uh, And we could drum up the popular grassroots support to, like, really push for that. But, you know, it makes sense that institutionally they're just going to – you know, a lot of people have argued they're going to put Kevin McCarthy in there. A lot of people have also argued mm-hmm. that's unlikely. But there are people mm-hmm. – um, and, and, and Ryan Cooper floated a couple options that could go in there and, and be worse. Um, but once again, I don't think anyone's and arguing that we need to replace Nancy Pelosi right now. Obviously, everyone, including AOC, agrees when Nancy Pelosi needs to go. But – the argument is we're just getting this to a floor vote. It's not like Nancy Pelosi is going to refuse and we're actually going to not vote for a Speaker of the House. She'll bring this yeah. to a floor vote and it'll get shot down as is as expected. And Nancy Pelosi will continue being Speaker of the House. No harm done. No, no loss. Um, and mm-hmm. and even during the interview with Ryan Cooper, you know, that is that's the losses that, that they bring up is that, you know, we could potentially have a worse Speaker of the House who's even more against AOC. And you even look at this committee assignment. There were part. There was party leadership that actively opposed AOC getting this committee assignment. Nancy Pelosi basically just didn't come to her rescue and push for it. Nancy Pelosi could have actively worked against her, and it could have been worse. So, like you know, there, there, there's there's something to all that. Um, what's yeah. your read on? Um, you know, we don't want to risk having someone a worse Nancy Pelosi. What's your response to that? You know, I mean, they're. I feel like they're still going to be backed by Wall Street. And still going to do the best interest in what Wall Street wants to do, and the best interest of the the corporate, yeah, uh, corporations, <laughs> you know. So like, you know, yeah. like I'm not like concerned about who's going to be the next speaker. I really don't give a fuck because I know who's going to, you know, what they're going to be all about. Same shit. It, it, so yeah, yeah, and, and you know what? whatever. <laughs> and I, I I also just feel like when we're all wrapped up in politics, like you know, you're about to listen to me and Ryan really get into the weeds. Like, you really can start to really feel, okay, no, there's these explanations, and you, you can over almost over-intellectualize it. And I kind of feel like it really actually is as simple as someone like Jimmy Dore's making it. And, and sure, it's it's not – simple doesn't mean easy. Like, this is – getting Medicare for all passed is a hard thing to do. But it, it's simple in that, like, it's the right thing to do, and we have the power to make it happen. And At like the most precedented time in American history – yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like this is like the time when everybody needs it. Like, <laughs> yep, yeah, couldn't be a and- better time to put it on the floor, you know. And I think another point that Jimmy Dore makes, which is really good, is that we get to hold these Democrats accountable, even in their vote. You know what I mean? Like, oh, if you, yeah. 
if this does actually go to the floor and then you vote it down, okay, we know who doesn't. You know, we know which, you know, senators to vote off, you know, come around the next time they're up for re-election, you know? So mm-hmm. we're going to mm-hmm. primary them and then just get somebody else in who actually is for yeah. the Democratic agenda. But Yeah, and so the response to that is, oh, well, these cynical Democrats will just vote for it knowing it's not going to pass. Well, sure, maybe. But yeah. then they're going to have to defend that position to Republicans. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they're going to have the, to put the mouth service to, or at least, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah, and and the and the the response to that is then oh well Kamala used to support it and does it now and she hasn't really had an answer for it and I'd say like maybe not so much but you know Republican ads are constantly hitting her for it it's almost like it's being played on loop everywhere like if you actually did have all the Democrats do it and a guess what that makes it an issue make Republicans talk about it make Republicans exactly. yes. yeah like it, it, it like. Yeah, yeah, exactly, dude. I, listen, I think we're both on on the force the vote side here. Um, and obviously, it'll be good to get a, a perspective who, who's not necessarily and thinks there might be a better strategy forward. But before we play the Ryan Cooper interview, I just want to um, play um, Bree Joy and and her uh, appearance on the Jimmy Dore show because I think she laid out the best argument for for why this is necessary. And now. She's kind of, you know, Jimmy Dore was getting a lot of the flack and he was kind of the face of this uh, force the vote movement, which quite honestly, I don't think he ever like asked to be. Um, Now, Bree Joy has kind of become the face of it, especially with um, some drama that we'll get into after I play this clip. But let let me me play this clip, clip first. Is I think a lot of folks didn't understand the why, the what's the point. They felt as though a lot of the commentary seemed to think that the goal was passing the bill. And so there was a lot of pushback that said, oh, well, what's the point? We're not going to pass it anyway, and somehow we're going to lose political capital in trying, which I I think that that's a little overstated. I think that, first of all, the people who would be holding Nancy Pelosi hostage here are all all progressives that are beloved in solidly blue districts. No one's, no one, AOC is not going anywhere. Ilhan Omar is not going anywhere. You know, Pramila Jayapal is not going anywhere, right? Um, And additionally... When you compare that relatively slim amount of like, rhetorical cost against the potential gain of having a substantive conversation about these issues, that's the piece I think that people were missing. And to those who say, well, why do you think the media is going to play ball? Why do you think they're going to be cooperative? The fact that the media doesn't play ball is the problem. Yeah. The reason we're in a place where there's such a huge, enormous gap between where Americans are and what the media pretends, what the media pretends, or where Americans are and what democratic con- congress people are willing to support is exactly because the media isn't exposing the extent to which um these politicians are basically bought right you know, we're not talking about the fact that jim clyburn is supporting joe biden and though both of them took the most um pharmaceutical money joe biden obviously in the electoral context and jim clyburn in the context of, of the senate of, of all of congress actually you know so I think that this is a moment where we could really expose the hypocrisy of the Democratic Party. And if you could point me to another better moment, I would be open to saying, hey, let's go with that. But we are in the middle of a pandemic that has just kicked 14 million plus people off of their employer-based health care. You know, 300,000 Americans have died. I can't imagine a better context to force Democrats to reckon with the fact that they're still saying, I don't believe that health care is a human right. And even worse, some of them, like John Ossoff, are saying healthcare is a human 
right? And they're completely misleading the public because they don't actually support Medicare for All or any other single-payer program. And I think this is an opportunity for the, the, the left to wrest control back and to inspire a movement that, frankly, feels really demoralized in the wake of Bernie Sanders' campaign. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. I think it's energy and just, like, getting, and that's what I think people... Um, even Ryan Cooper, which is why I was like excited to get a chance to talk to someone who's like more deep in the media sphere. You get disconnected from, I think, like the energy on the ground and just you need to give people a win and something to feel like they can fight for, you know, and that that's really the key thing. Um, and so if any of you out there agree, you can go to forcethevote.org and there's um, there's ways that you can get involved on there um, to help push this through. Um, any thoughts on, on kind of what Bree was saying? I mean, yeah, no, I totally agree with her. Yeah, yeah, and and now she's and and she um this isn't the first time that she's kind of uh put herself gone out on a limb to kind of agree with more radical people in the party as someone who's a, a more public woman of color on the left, um and and she's gotten flack before from uh from Dr. Jason Alexander called her and uh, Nina Turner the island of misfit black girls. It's actually something we've talked about on the show before. Um, What I was shocked to see was Benjamin P. Dixon, someone who we've talked about his writing and have posted his tweets before um, on our Instagram account. He went after Brie for supporting Jimmy Dore on this um, and and, and basically implied the same thing, that she's, you know, an Uncle Tom for the white left. And, uh, that's a you know he's caught a lot of flack for it but but b like how it, it it's so funny how now she's become the target everyone's trying to go after jimmy door and yeah, now she- exactly they they hate they hate jimmy door and brie more than they you know hate people dying because they don't have yeah. health care yeah or, the, know, or they're the just rudeness. mad at the wrong fucking people i don't get it like people are literally in all situations and contexts mad at the wrong people Always. yeah yeah literally and it's so fucking frustrating yeah and and i think uh you know there's this inclination that we saw and we've talked about this whole summer with the protests to throw water on on on, on natural energy like like real grassroots pure energy catalyzed by just pure reality that sure is it might burn in the wrong directions but like that fire is what we need to move forward that's our movement their games their politics don't work for us and i think that's kind of the vibe of what's going on here and that's where you're seeing this big divide on the left is from people who are ready to kind of burn it all down and people who want to go oh let's take a more reasonable logical uh you know approach to this um and people go well well, fuck that approach didn't work they fucked bernie over i need something um and that divide often has also fallen on kind of people who have a media job people who have a blue check people who don't and there's a lot of people going after jimmy Dore. oh he's just doing this for clicks and success and like everyone's kind of almost clawing at each other on the left like mad at each other's success and envious and and eating each other alive basically and that's not productive for a movement that's not the solidarity yeah you saw that it's especially with the what's what's that guy's name that he was arguing with on their dan sorrentino or something like that yeah yeah uh he i think one of his tweets after he got off the show was like i've worked for medicare for all i've been a supporter for this calls for 14 years and then some david guy just comes along and said david, david Sirota, Sirota. that's his name yeah but uh yeah but he's like I, I come along and then uh 
then this guy just comes shows up and just says this and now everybody's on board with it and then like yeah why didn't you come up with it <laughs> you know yeah yeah you should yeah, yeah. be happy is- you should be happy that somebody is actively fighting for the same cause that you are you shouldn't yep. be mad and at that person's throat because they had a fucking good idea and you didn't boom bingo exactly and and that's exactly the thing people are like it, it's this eating each other alive thing on the left that a sucks mm. it's not productive and and that's why I was really happy um, and really grateful to Ryan Cooper for a being willing to sit down with us. He's the biggest interview you know we've ever had, and we were grateful for his time. But also that he was willing to like, you know, we were coming at each other on Twitter pretty hard before we sat down for what was a really nice discussion. And like he was willing to kind of cross that divide of like small independent left podcast with you know someone who's a journalist like at the week for real. Um, and 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 talk about okay. I think there might be a more wise strategy. You you might think that there's a more direct action strategy to go. Let's, you know, we both agree on 99% of the issues. Let's uh let's see what the best strategy is going forward. Um and so I think it was a pretty productive conversation. I'm excited for everybody to listen to it. Yeah. All right, we want to want to play that for us. Let's 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 get it. Let's get it. I'm hitting the button right now. Uh, so this is our first ever uh, real interview with a real journalist. This is Ryan Cooper. Um, and uh, yeah, dude, I'm a, we're both huge fans of your work, uh, me and my co-host. But I remember actually the first time you came on Chapo Trap House to talk about uh, Obama and the housing crisis. And uh, that was oh, like, right. yeah with Matt Brunig. And uh, that was like the beginning of the end of my love affair with him, which is pretty funny because that's what we talk about on this podcast a lot is shitting on Obama. Yeah. Yeah, um, we, his memoir is uh, infuriating. Yeah, I saw you guys just did uh, an episode on that on your guys' podcast, reading some excerpts. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I mean, it's I don't know if you're if sorry, you're sort of an Obama head. It's worth going through. Yeah, but, for sure. Yeah, and and yeah. I like trying to read through the lines with him and and really get gaze into his soul if I can parse it out. You know, he's a he's a smart dude. You know, but a lot of his self justifications are pretty unconvincing at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, and for sure. There's a thing in there we didn't actually talk about in the episode where he has like a nightmare. Um uh, he's talking he he's like thinking about running for president and he has a nightmare and someone's is like a there's like a, a figure and uh telling him no 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 and like a portal that opens in in front of him and and uh, he he's like in a cold sweat and goes down and like pours himself a drink, you know, and he's like sipping on vodka and he's like terrified of the idea that he could win, you know, <laughs> that's deep. And, you know, like, yeah. What, uh, you, I think you should have thought about that, you know, some more. Yeah. That's but, uh, and it's funny. He kind of, I mean, he puts so much out there that, uh, you kind of do get those slips sometimes where you really get, you know, like intimate details of this guy's life and you kind of, Kind of, it's yeah. fun to read into. Yeah. Um, we we actually got really interested in him after kind of the NBA playoffs and what he did with that. Um, and that was kind of a, a big moment, I think, for my co-host and realizing, oh, okay, this guy's maybe the enemy. This is, this is, <laughs> you know, this guy might be working against us. Um, and and so he's definitely been a topic of discussion. We, we that book was a gift to I think everybody with a podcast. I mean, it's like endless content. Oh yeah, it's so long. I mean, you could do, you know, you could do a whole podcast series yourself yeah. on that sucker. For sure. Um, 
and, and it's little appearances he has too. I always bring up, uh, there's uh, when he does the comedians in cars getting coffee, he brags to Jerry Seinfeld about how he could drone strike the Jonas Brothers at any minute. And he gets like this glint in his eye <laughs> when he says it. And it's like, it's just one of those little massive moments where it's like, whoa, like who, who is this guy? Um, it, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. No, sorry. Um, yeah, the, I, I, I love the cat coming on and coming on the mic. Yeah, she, she, uh, you know, as long as she doesn't press any buttons, but you know, you can't really always trust her not to press some buttons. Yep, yep. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. I in in many ways, I would be more glad if Obama was just the enemy. You know, it's like if he had his own political vision and he worked to achieve that. And that yeah. maybe I think this is my secret theory yeah. as to why Obama. Uh, had a vision telling him not to run for president. Mm -hmm. It was because he had no reason to be president other than mm -hmm. to achieve the impossible sort of narcissistic vision of, uh, you know, I'm going to become the bipartisan reconciler as the first black president. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, sure you are, man. <laughs> but, it, but like, he won't, you know, his own successors being attacked by the Russians. It's like, oh, they hacked her emails and they hacked the DNC's emails. And he doesn't even say, he doesn't even tell the the country that they're doing it. Mm. You know, and it, it was like, maybe that doesn't really that matter that much. But like, by his own logic, it should. You know, why yeah. are you not out there fighting? The only time he fights is when Keith Ellison is trying to run the DNC or when Bernie's about to defeat all the centrists. <laughs> now suddenly he gets it together. Yep, it's like, yep. oh. We're taking you out. You know, it's like... Uh, Completely gone for the entire Trump era, and then he pops out of the bushes at the very end. <laughs> like, just yeah. 360 no-scope Bernie, you know, who was <laughs> just Actually, about to win. People forget that. He was right there. He was just about to win. Yeah, um, He I, was ahead in every state except for South Carolina, and then everyone came around Biden in the space of like 72 hours, and it's was like, psh, that was it. And that was him. Obama convinced Pete Buttigieg to to uh, to drop out. A hundred percent. And on top of that, there was a news item maybe two weeks before where you know it was like, oh, is he backing Elizabeth Warren all of a sudden? No, 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 no. He was making sure she had Super PAC money to stay in through Super Tuesday. Like, you know, he was he was pulling the strings. And uh, yeah. it's funny. I got all these friends that after May and the protests, uh, all of a sudden really interested in politics and you know, kind of missed that they weren't as involved when, you know, the primaries were going on. So I spent a lot of time telling people, oh, no, this is what happened, man. Like, Obama, that, that Obama guy, like, we almost fixed it. And, <laughs> and, it, and it, you know, at the very, and, and it's funny, because people really are willing to kind of hear that out now, I think, more than ever. Um, yeah. And, and kind of look at politicians in that different lens, um, which I, which I guess goes into the AOC thing, which is, which is why he came on to talk, which is the, sure. the whole AOC Jimmy Dore debate. Um, which, <laughs> yeah, boy. which, uh, you know, it's funny cause I, um, you know, I actually am pretty into comedy. Um, so, but I never really knew Jimmy Dore until I started my own political podcast, started watching all this content on YouTube, started to get him recommended yeah. to me. Um, and I, I definitely did gravitate towards his stuff. Um, I mean, listen, I, I'm definitely sure. a, a dejected Bernie supporter. The primary was rough for me. Um, oh yeah, of course. But, but you know, I like Jimmy's accessibility, and uh, on top of that, like, and and I think a lot of the reads on him the past couple of weeks, I really read him as genuine. And in his like, you know, kind of stone paranoia, 
um, mortal righteousness, sometimes he throws the wrong shots. I'm like, I'll, I'll totally admit that, man. Um, but yeah. and, 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 you know, so just assuming our listeners already know uh, what the whole what the whole deal is, we could probably talk about the cultural stuff for like forever. And maybe we should get into that later, kind of like the riffs on the left and how everybody's, you know, interacting with this on Twitter. But like just strategy going forward. I know you um, after AOC um, did the intercepted podcast and kind of laid out her vision of what's, you know, answering the question, basically, what are we doing with the leverage? Um, you tweeted out and we're like, yeah, she is right. Um, and so, you know, kind <laughs> of, and, and, and I, I listened to the intercepted podcast and I actually did agree with a lot of what she had to say, like the, the stuff with the Pago, like, I think that's a really important issue to hold them on. And like, if they want to do oh, that, yeah. I think that's great. Like, you know, and, and you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear like what the vision forward is. Cause right now when my kind of cynicism after the primary, it's kind of like, we got to, you know, be kicking and screaming and doing everything we can because we are powerless. And, but, you know, I'd like to see a more positive vision forward than that. You know, I'm definitely willing to hear it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll say like, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, hundred percent against the idea of trying to, you know, force some, for, force a vote on, you know, Medicare for all in the abstract. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, uh, you know, it's just something that seems like quite, quite implausible to me in terms of uh, what your, you know, what your sort of end goal is, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, like Dor seems to admit, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm not a big uh, uh, Jimmy Dor, you know, head. Mm-hmm. Um, Although we all know this it. week. <laughs> I, I read Bri- Brianna Joy Gray's piece on it. I liked um, her piece a lot, yeah. She, you know, Doris, Doris seems to, Doris seems to be saying that, you know, this is our point of maximum leverage and, uh, you know, they're probably going to lose the house majority in 2022. So we should be pushing now. And, uh, yet at the same time, I think they all admit Medicare for all is not going to pass. Uh, yeah. it's not going to pass the house. It definitely will not pass the Senate. And Joe Biden basically has signaled that he would veto it, even if it did do both. He's pretty much things. all outside that. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, in that circumstance, you have confounding factors, you know, in terms of like trying to suss out who your real Medicare for all supporters, because you have the phenomenon of, you know, as I think I mentioned to you on Twitter, uh, uh, sort of bad Democrats in blue districts mm-hmm. who will vote for it knowing it won't pass. Yep. This is something that they do constantly. And then a lot of moderates who might, w- you know, would uh, take a risk if it were to accomplish something who won't stick their neck out for it, you know, to be like, oh, they, you know, to, to you know, bait some Republican attack ads or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the more compelling thing is that uh, at the moment, we are in the midst of a negotiation uh, where, uh, you know, a lot of lefty, you know, some, some, some loud organizing could be, you know, could be useful. Yeah. Uh, sure. And that is the, the, the debate over the, um, uh, the, the next economic rescue package. Yeah. Um, the, are we going to get checks? Are we going to get another boost in unemployment benefits? Are we going to get another round of the small business grants, uh, money for uh, a state and local aid? Um, there's there's an effort where I think a, a really loud and disciplined effort, you know, 
if you were to say, okay, we're, we, you know, settle on a demand. What's the thing that we want the most? What's the thing that we need the most? Say, mm -hmm. you know, I would say like checks plus some, you know, a boost to UI plus state and local aid, especially for transit, like those three things. Yeah. Um, you know, and say, okay, we're going to really push on this and we're not going to vote for a policy or, you know, whatever, like tactics aside, whatever, whatever, you know, sort of leverage you want to, you know, push through on Whatever that. leverage you can find, I think yeah. that, right. I think that would be a much, like, and that's kind of, people seem to be not paying attention to that really at all mm -hmm. on the left. Like it's all just happening between McConnell and the bipartisan group of senators and whoever is sort of in charge at the moment and the, you know, remnants of the Trump administration and then Pelosi, you know, and so like there isn't a sort of like organized discussion to say, I mean, ex except for like AOC is out there saying it, like call your representative, call your senator mm -hmm. and, and demand, give me $1,200, you son of a bitch. Like, yeah, yeah. Better have my money, Mitch, you know, and, and that is the thing that might work, you know, like yeah. they got, they're gotten close to passing stuff and really organized discipline push on that front could pay dividends in a way that, might actually strengthen the left going forward because it would prevent a depression maybe, and then maybe prevent the Democrats from losing the house in 2022. And then, you know, you could start thinking about maybe, you know, trying to suss out where your, where your, you know, your sort of structure of the congressional negotiations, which are all very inscrutable um, and, you know, pushing from there. But this, this feels very much sort of like flailing around, you know, it's it like, um, I mean, just the fact of the matter is we're not going to get Medicare for all now. We're not going to get it in the next two years or four years. Uh, and that, that was decided almost a year ago when uh, Biden won the primary. Yeah. And there's just really nothing you can do about it. Yeah. But if you, if you pick your battles, I think, um, and this one is a big one, you know, and, and um, that's where I would be, you know, if you want, you know, pushing Medicare for all, I totally get it. I mean, that was what I did during the primary for on my, you know, in my posts. Yeah, 100%. I probably wrote fucking like fifty articles on that. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, now it seems to me like like I mean, people's attention span is somewhat limited, and um, you, you know, there's right. only so, so much that there's like you know, basically one or maybe two to three sort of big items that will fit in the kind of political mind space at any one time. Yeah. And yeah, I would say now it's like checks, the super dole and, um, you know, state aid. I'm like, let's, let's get some of that in, in city aid. No, I think you're right about that. And, and, and definitely on to something major with the, you know, there's a, things that just stick like the, and, and you really can't get everyone to pay attention to everything. And like, yeah. that's, that's kind of, I guess, part of why I see something in, in the Medicare for all push, just cause it's like, you know, we're in the pandemic, make this the argument. Now, I kind of agree with, and AOC has an outright said this, but indicated this where it's like, the way she put it was, you know, <clears throat> we're going to get questionable media coverage. And like, and, and, and basically translating that for her is like, who's to say how the framing of the debate is really going to be set? If we do push Medicare yeah. for all, is there really going to be a genuine good faith debate in the media about it? Probably not, <laughs> you know? But I, I kind of, I, I, I have faith, at least in this moment, I guess, a little bit more in just people to look at this. And like, <laughs> this is a dumb example, but every time legalizing weed gets brought to a vote, 
I see like a hundred Instagram story posts as if it got yeah. legalized, you know? Like, yeah. if, <laughs> and like people get excited about stuff like that. And I just, I, I kind of get, I kind of, you know, when I, when I really delve into all the reasons and I look at, and I look at both sides of the argument, I kind of, I think end up leaning more, more your side where, I mean, obviously I think both, and I both of us agree on this. And I think 99% of the left, like, obviously there's something uh, in conflict when like you're kind of, you were selling the political revolution and now you're calling Pelosi mama bear. And I think everyone wants to like reconcile with yeah. that somehow, you know? And, and, and I feel like this was, there was the mama bear thing didn't sit right with anybody. And now this is like yeah. the implosion of that. That was the gas in the air. And now Jimmy Dore like lit the match and now everyone's like coming at AOC. And, and, and this was the issue that was chosen. And the thing is though, I don't know that it's like the wrong one in this moment. I kind of just feel like, and, and, and listen, I love the Pago thing she's talking about. I love the fact that she's yeah. like, all right, we'll really push for a $15 minimum wage. Like, that there are things that she, they're going to put on the table with Pelosi, but like, hey, the fifteen dollars minimum wage thing, I feel like was kind of happening anyway. But like, the Pago thing's important. Um, yeah, that like people don't understand. Um, Pago is a, a stipulation, you know, in the sort of House rules mm -hmm. that um, you know, if if you are to, uh, whenever you pass a law, you have to uh, account for it. Like, you basically can't increase the structural deficit, and so you either have to like you know, fund it, quote unquote, with some taxes or cut something somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It basically locks you into austerity. Yeah, and and yeah, Pelosi exactly. put this in, in place when she came in in 2006. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, after 12 years of that being proved to be one of the worst possible policy ideas you could <laughs> imagine. I mean, yeah. literally, literally produced Donald Trump probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, d discredited across the world and in the economic data, uh, you know, the deficit is sky high and yet interest payments as a share of GDP are low. The, the, the Treasury is selling uh, U.S. debt for literally less than nothing. I saw a 10 year bond auction for minus 0.9 percent, literal free money. You know, like mm -hmm. you, you, here's you borrow a thousand dollars and you pay back you know, $990 or whatever in 10 years. Uh, uh, and yet in, tw in 2019, when Pelosi comes back in as speaker, she puts it back in place. Yeah, and, yeah. and so that, I would say that one in particular, I mean, that's n a sort of necessary precondition for Medicare for all, or basically anything good. Yeah, and so yeah. that would be a decent ask right there. You mm -hmm. just say like, hey, no, look, this is not only, this is not only like bad for like lefties, this is bad for your own caucus, it's bad for Biden, it's bad for the country. Mm -hmm. um and and it makes baby jesus christ so <laughs> you're you're you crazy old lady like knock it off yeah yeah so so let me get your take on this now what we're hearing now from aoc is that these talks were kind of going on behind the scenes like but, but while jimmy Dore was like clearing his bond like they were already talking to pelosi about this and then you know yeah. then this kind of all exploded um but like i at the moment like I'm I'm kind of erring towards Jimmy Dore's side of I don't know that that's true. I, I they really might have just been handing it to her without any pushback until they got pressure from external yeah. forces. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm just not sure if I buy that the this was necessarily yeah. happening behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm so here's here's maybe a little piece of information. Um, 
you know, maybe listeners don't know about this, but uh, so so AOC has been trying to get on the Energy and, and Commerce Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the sort of, I, I don't know, me- medium ranking, it's not appropriations, one of the medium ranking. My listeners uh, are going, boo, committee, <laughs> boo. <laughs> right. But, but so, you know, uh, sh- she was uh fighting with she was try, trying to get uh kath uh trying to beat kathleen rice for one of the open seats on it yeah yeah and um just before we started recording there was a vote uh and rice beat her 46 to 13 um for the steering it was a steering committee vote okay um basically she you know aoc just got completely owned yeah. And and so uh, she kind of cited I, that specifically as being one of the reasons not to really push this too hard was to get committee assignments. Yep. And so I think what you know, I, I, I think AOC is kind of in an impossible situation. You know, it's like she's trying to represent a sort of lefty, mm-hmm. you know, constituency yep. um, and, you know, in her district. And yet also not piss off the leadership so much that like they completely lock her out of everything. Yeah. And what happens is the leadership blocks her out of everything. And yeah. then, you know, she sort of attracts this, you know, the like, you know, critics who, who want her to take a more uncompromising line on things. Yeah. Um, which, you know, in, in her view is not really going to accomplish much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I, there's a structural difference between like AOC and the Tea Party, the Freedom Caucus guys, you know, back, back during the Obama years, because number one, they don't want to burn the country to the ground. Like they, they uh, don't, they aren't completely deluded about what would happen if you like deleted Medicare. Um, and number two, there's only like, like six of them, you know, they're like 50 members of the freedom caucus. Yep. Um, you, way which, more you than, know, that, that, that gets a little debated on like, you know, how, how much for critical support you have among that, that number, but like, yeah, it's, it's, it's significant. But number right. three also is we're lacking a significant amount of Koch brothers slush money. That's a yep. big, big difference between us and the Tea Party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so, I, you know, AOC's been, uh, you know, I don't want to be like a, you know, sort of fanboy or whatever, but she's been in Congress for two years. She's thirty, you know, like these. The whole mechanisms here are very inscrutable, and the amount of attention that she gets is just overwhelming. You know, yeah, no, I, I do not envy your position at all huge security presence now you know i mean it's like her her uh you know her family and her boyfriend get all this attention and um you know it's like you can't take public transit anymore because everyone's like like just swarming all over you media is constantly up your nose um and so you know i'm sort of inclined to give her the benefit of the doubt you know you know for the moment and um and and i think that's where my where i've really disagreed with kind of the people taking this to its furthest extreme is that like this means aoc is bad and like my take is like all all politicians are bad that's like the baseline of what we're (laughs) dealing with like if this is new you guys like you know i don't know what to tell you but like you know aos like it's it's not about a character judgment you know i think the argument needs to be like is this worth a it just we need to make it about is this worth aoc doing but also like it's not a question of if she's bad or not. It's a question of if you're a part of that institution and once you're in it, you're two years in, 
and you're looking at, all right, I, I could get these assignments. I, you start seeing all the little incrementalisms you could do and, and, and you start to get captured by, you know, becoming a cog in that machine. And you start to see, and you start to get bogged down in all these, you know, kind of, let's say explanations that people don't like um, hearing necessarily, even if she's right. And, you know, not everyone's going to go listen to Intercepted and, and hear out on the hour. And like, I was willing to like really kind of give it a go. And she's, she's probably right. And, and there are key things, but I, I, when I listen to it full out on, I go, well, like this, this sounds good and all, but when we're looking at like really building the political movement that I remember her talking about one time, and if it really is this moral necessity, I think we kind of talked about this on Twitter, like if this is really life or death, it's a pandemic, it matters this much, always make this the right. issue and fight for it like it, like it is. And then, cause I think you kind of alluded to this. She didn't, she, they're, they're always going to ice her out. It's, it, you know, there's very little I, that she could probably realistically do to break through that. What she can do is melt the ice as best she can while, while, while she's in there. And that's a very kind of, I think, uh, maybe even even cynical view of nothing's possible burn down the house but but you know i don't think that's necessarily true i think it's just that like i don't know what she has to lose because it, it really feels like there's nothing to gain from her helping these people at all and 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 carrying any of pelosi's water i don't think you know that's not a favor that's going to be remembered um and and and, and that's what just yeah. makes it so tough because because i don't know if there is a good answer because to go full lefty, you're not really going to accomplish anything except maybe drawing more attention to these issues. And like AOC has alluded to, who knows you know, how good that attention is going to be. Yeah, I think the, you know, the, the danger is, so the, the, the Democratic um, margin is so small that uh, you, you don't, um, you know, as she pointed out, you could probably round up enough votes you know, to say like, oh, we're going to do some blockading action. Mm -hmm. um, and then, well, definitely you now, know, because we got the squad plus and up and yeah, it's a crazy small margin. I think we, we need like six or people, right? Yeah, exactly. So you, so you could potentially stop Pelosi from being uh, elected uh, speaker again. Um, but once that happens, then there's every possibility that the next candidate that, you know, they'll, the 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 centrists will will push will be worse than Pelosi, which mm. you know, believe me, they exist. Yeah, there no, are it's true. There are people who are, and so they you know they they could decide. All right, well we're gonna uh, we're gonna ice her out. We're gonna decide to punish the left, and we're gonna like go and try to round up some Republicans to vote yeah. for Josh Gottheimer or yeah. somebody like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody <laughs> yeah. who's no, you're right. Like one of the more the there there's still a handful of like pro life Democrats and stuff and if you're like hey Republicans you could have a, you could have basically Republican like speaker yeah um, who will vote against all of Joe Biden stuff you know and just like shit up the next two years mm -hmm. and that you know it, like the problem is like you don't you need to have like a next step who's going to jump in who's going to get the leave, majority leave the power vacuum for the nefarious forces and, and, yeah and exactly I kind of get that. But and, and I'm so glad you brought this up. Well, first off, to respond about the left being punished, you know, the left, we're being punished. Our ass is red. We're being spanked. Like it's over. Like we, we you know, yeah. Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi have us bent over on the desk. Like it's over with. And and so truly, yeah. like you know, I you know, as far as avoiding punishment goes, I don't know. But but uh, you know, on, on the larger thing, like I kind of feel like uh, 
it, I don't know. It's it, 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 it's tough. We're 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 always going to be punished. Uh, basically, no matter no matter what she does. Um. So I I, I, yeah. I, I guess if I, I I had to ask you, what is there to lose? You know. Well, there. I mean, as I've been saying, there there is possibly the speaker of the the speakership of the house, and then I think it's the the question of priorities right at the moment. You know, well, you, so you, on the speaker of the house thing, the, I, the power vacuum. I don't know that we will ever have the money or the institutional support that kind of the current structure requires. And like, and, and, and she even alluded to this in in her her uh, intercepted interview was kind of like, you know. She's she's saying you know right now I'm not ready and that she wouldn't do it and uh, you know but that it kind of requires money and this institutional support and grooming that a has been purposefully not done by the Democrats and that they you know Pelosi and Schumer kind of purposefully left this power vacuum beneath them um, but then on top of that that you know there's just not the kind of backing that is like typically required do, do you see a viable way to like build that kind of institutional backing because because i the way i look at it it's kind of like we'll never have that that backing and we'll never have that you know when when there's a power vacuum there's always going to be more powerful well-funded forces that could that could take over that power vacuum um you know it doesn't mean we shouldn't blow up the death star like you know No, I see. I, I I think that's a that's a little um, uh, dis, too despairing. I would say, um, you know, the the left used to have, you know, the the broadly speaking sort of social democratic left used to run the Democratic Party. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, under under Franklin D. Roosevelt, and the, and the strength of that was unions, and unions had loyal congressmen, and um, you know Robert Wagner from New York. This guy was, you know, I mean, he was a Tammany Hall guy, frankly. He was, he was a machine guy, but he was all about unions. You know, yeah. one thing, you know, and this is a place where I think, um, you know, some people can be a little bit over cynical about how, like, political power works, you know, because it's like, oh, the, the Democrats have been, like, shafting unions for so long. But, but in many ways, that was just stupid, you know, that was politically senseless. Like they were just cutting off their own power base, like mm -hmm. sawing off the tree limb they were sitting on. Mm -hmm. It's like nobody votes for Democrats anymore because we destroyed all our institutions for no reason. But and what's so, funny is they sawed that off knowing they kind of had a bungee cord attached to the higher limb of Wall Street, you know? Right. That's, well, that was their idea. But now they're, you know, now they, in 2016, they fucking lost to Donald Trump, you know? I mean, they, like <laughs> yeah. a, a, a fucking rodeo clown president, a yeah. game show rapist. And, yeah. and so, like, the, I think the, uh, the, the, you know, there, there will be these cynical, you know, the people who took down Jeremy Corbyn in the UK, the people who took down uh, Bernie. But there's a there's a sort of like a a tractor in in the chaos theory terms, you know, like a new yeah. sort of stable equilibrium, where you get in, you know, and um, you make it clear that a sort of lefty political power based political program is a winner, yeah. and you know you put you you put in. I mean, Pelosi is eighty years old. And all of her top lieutenants are also over 80. And so, um, you know, you, you, 
just pushing through it's like welfare state that that uh you know social security is what made the senior vote seniors didn't used to vote because they're all poor yeah. before the 1930s and so you know you bring in welfare state and unions and you just create you know sort of like multiracial working class i mean this is sort of bernie's theory of change yeah yeah for lack of a better word and i think you know it it you know, it shows, at least in the current moment, it's a, that's an uphill climb. But if you can get enough power to demonstrate that it works, I think you will sort of see the people, the sort of Pete Buttigieg's of the world, the people who are just ambitious, they will just sign on to that because yeah. that's the way to power. And yeah. I think that that's how you defeat the, the, the moneyed interests of, you know, the capitalists, basically. Yeah. You show that many people beats, beats money. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and that's spot on. And then, like, I really firmly believed in that exact theory of change, you know, fully through to, to this moment. You, have, and, you and, have to actually do it, though, is the problem. And we've it's never like, been, it doesn't work before. I don't know how, how do we, how do we build, like, union power? Now? Like, it, it's so, it feels so, what I can almost see, and, and, and you know, I gave kind of maybe a little bit uh, too cynical of a, of a read earlier. Let me give you too naive of one. Like, this is... That we could potentially, you know, I actually, I'll bring this, I'll bring this up later with you, but um, basically like we could actually build, it's, it's hearts and minds now. We've lost politics. It's, it's over. They, yeah. They've gamed it. it. It's a wrap. It's fully hearts and minds acting like this is life or death and kicking and screaming about it until you actually just get such, you build public support, which listen they can it's not as that isn't as meaningful as union support and the actual like firm links that we used to have but it is something when you know they you could dismiss sure. it as just polling 81 percent. like when you have almost 90 percent of democrats agreeing with this thing i don't think it's unreasonable when you literally go listen people are gonna die like this is like the pandemic's happening people will die this needs to happen we know it's gonna fail like sure but, but make, you know, and, and one of two things that would happen, either the centrist Democrats have to argue against it, or they have to argue for it against the Republicans. And, and typically what they'll do is they'll kick the ball down the field and argue against the left and embrace the Republican talking points instead of arguing with them. But like, I, I kind yeah. of feel like what we saw with Kamala and everyone's been bringing up, oh, Kamala supported it, but then she went back on supporting it. And this is what I kind of think is interesting. When I, I, my YouTube algorithm is, is all the way screwed up. I like accidentally, I think, watched like a Ben <laughs> Shapiro video. So oh, like, no. I go like four videos in, it'll bring me to a Trump rally. Like it's like bad. And so oh, I dear. get, I get Republican ads. Um, and it's funny. What you'll see is Kamala Harris on loop talking about Medicare for all. And like right now, yeah. you know, she doesn't have to answer to that at the moment, but like, like, you know, they're, they want, but there is something to be said for you had her firmly supporting it on tape. They, they play like an interview where she's like on, I think, uh, I forget his interview where it's like a Katie Couric interview type thing where she's asking her about it and she kind of laughs it off. And, uh, and, and you see that over and over again. If you get it, it more than just co-sponsors, you get people that actually have to sit on the hot seat and argue this, even if it's only a couple hot seats, even if it only moves the conversation a little bit, because right now we're completely letting them set the terms of the conversation. The terms of the conversation is over like, are we going to get nothing or 600 bucks? Like, it's like, it's completely set so far removed. We've got no power really institutionally. So all we can do is hearts and minds it. 
that's all we have left for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, yeah, in the, in the abstract, that seems that that's reasonable. Um, but I would say, you know, the, the people who are in a better position to win hearts and minds, you know, you, you think about what this would be, you know, a single vote be over in a day. Yeah. Um, the, the, you know, maybe you just have some squabbling with, uh, with, you know, Republicans over ads and so on. But um, I think the, the, the people better in a better in a position to win hearts and minds are the sort of lefty media people for lack. I mean, this is kind of one of the few power centers that, that like, like people who get wide attention to, to yeah. actually make the case, you know, in a, in a substantive way that Medicare for all means everyone gets healthcare coverage for less money than they're currently paying through healthcare premiums. If you, you know, if you have insurance yeah. through your employer. Distribute and those that, talking points. Yeah, and uh, I mean, like, th this is some of the more valuable work I think I've done, um, you know, over the years is just swatting down, getting into bitter slap fights with like Jake Tapper or fucking uh, Glenn Kessler. God, that piece of <laughs> shit. That guy sucks so much. He, just just publishing blatant disinformation about uh, about Medicare for all. Yeah, but you know that's the kind of th like like that's where I think like media drama and like fighting with people. That's like like you know lefty. That's what kind of what we do best. Yeah, <laughs> it's like for sure. Big slap fights with each other. That's where we can really do a lot of good because yeah. the facts are completely on our side. Yeah, and if you're t you know you're talking with centrist. I mean, b because our status quo system is so shitty. I mean, indefensible on any metric you care to talk about: efficiency, yeah. cost, uh, coverage, equity, whatever. I mean, it's just dog shit. Worst system in the world by yeah. far. Um, and, and, and it's not hard to just, I mean, to completely expose the cracks and talk about them openly. And yeah. like, and, and and to quote Jimmy Dore, like, I I'm stoned and I'm not even trying. <laughs> like, like, and and what's yeah. funny, and and you actually linked to uh, Matt Chrisman talking about uh, like the media layout right now in 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 light in yeah. like in light of this landscape. And I, I listened to that episode anyway, and I was kind of I was kind of I, I went back and listened to what he was saying because I kind of agree with it when I talked about it, and and, and I wanted to just kind of like actually you know fully metabolize it, and I I it. I, and so for, for the listeners, basically what he was arguing is that like what we're, what the AOC Jimmy Dore thing is really is people dividing themselves up on the left. Like I'm more extreme than you. No, I'm more extreme than you. I'm actually way yeah. more extreme than AOC. Um, and, and he kind of, there's this cynical read of like, this is what we're doing in lieu of building power and that, you know, all this meat and, and, and basically and not to put words in his mouth, but it was like, you know, all this meaningless podcast drama, it's not going to do anything. We have no real power. We don't have leverage. And it was kind of this like overall, and, and he, he went on to say like, we will have leverage eventually. And that's how we have a better country. And that I'm not saying it'll never be possible, but you know, I get, I, I took that as cynical because I'm, I'm looking at it. Like, here's a guy who's been screaming into a microphone for like years now. And, 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 and it has yeah. mainly been meaningless. Look at what happened at the primary. It sucked. But here's the thing. I wouldn't say it's meaningless. As someone on the outside, I feel like they did so much to bring me into it. And then also, the, just in general, the whole left, lefty media sphere, journalists like yourself, like that is what has been able to necessitate. I mean, we almost won, like you said. Like we almost had. They, they really had to move the chessboard to like yeah. – 
and just kick it over. Yeah, literally, last minute, they just knocked the Monopoly board over. And, like, truly, like, you know, I, so this no, is No, I, I agree with that. This is going to sound I don't want to. But the Velvet Underground, you know the Velvet Underground? Yeah, of course. Let's look at it, look at it this way, right? Like, if Chapo Trap House might have been, like, meaningless, right? But, like, if everybody who listened to that went and started their own punk band, right? with their own audiences that aren't because like for me me and my co-host my co-host is is a like hip-hop producer and we came in this as like oh, nice. we were doing a music industry podcast and then the protest started and it was like we were talking about that all the time so this completely became politics and it and you know we called it inside agitator because at the time we were like agitators at the protests and then we would look at the media and even journalists who like i looked up to and i actually thank you for not doing this so much you weren't one of them but who were like really pushing these like fed talking points about agitators and this, this, that, and the third. And yeah, like, that's so, bullshit. yeah, a hundred percent. And, uh, and so we wanted to be like, all right, let's, let's give a voice to the, the people on the street that like, you know, you don't, you don't hear that. And like, and I, we have now all these people who like are not, weren't really politics people wouldn't have never gone and listened to Chapo, but would listen to us. Cause we're, we're, we're there's other common interests there. It's not like, fully dissolved into politics and if there's like thousands of those distributing the talking points and you have that outgrowth i think things like the jimmy Dore thing that's why he has influence and has aoc responding to him on twitter this is like a burgeoning growing movement like it it it, it is meaningful in some sense yeah that no there's there's definitely some truth to that um i i you know you can't doubt the power of media. There, there are a lot of kind of, um, you know, quasi-Marxist people who, who t- t- like, discount the role of, like, ideology and argumentation and say it's all about the, you know, economic system and the means of production and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you just look at the Republican Party. Their ideology, media rules the Republican Party. Yep. It is in the driver's seat more than Trump is. Trump yep. is a television addict. You mm-hmm. know, like he does, he is a confused old man who, who believes what the TV tells him. Yeah. As, uh, Alex he was Green a product said. of that entire media sphere. He was, he was yeah. that president, yeah. And, and so you, you can't doubt the, the power of media. But uh, by the same token, you, I think one needs to be suspicious of, a, a little bit careful with, with you know the incentives of media um be, yeah. you, I didn't, you I didn't look want to at, go on forever but that's exactly yep i know yeah 100 percent. you you look at i mean you look at trump here's a man who is president uh who is sort of dominated by his media you know intake and has been driven completely insane by it yeah. and you know like what works uh, in media is sort of like like in inflammatory content being very dramatic gossipy uh, uh, I mean, you know, this is Trump even before he became president. Uh, and, you know, sort of hard-headed and, like, uh, vote counting, getting down to the nut-cutting, as uh, LBJ used to say. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, like, understanding the boring-ass mechanics of legislation and, and how, like, you know, the committee system works and so on. That isn't so interesting. And, and you know, it said it, like... Uh, you know, again, as I said, I'm not, I'm not like totally against the idea of having a vote on Medicare for all. You know, and I don't think but, anyone but, is. It's just the specific yeah. timing and strategy of it. 
Yeah, right. And, but this, you know, the whole thing with Dor, especially like I watched the thing where he was just like yelling at her and, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you I know, know saying that, about, I think. yeah, saying she had voted for the CARES Act when she hadn't actually, I mean, like, you know, that's a sort of complicated thing. Like they, they basically wouldn't let her vote against it because mm -hmm. that's like, uh, Pelosi was ruling the House of the Iron Fist when they didn't have any sort of remote voting protocols and so on. Yeah. But she like, also like took, she like was screaming about it all night type thing. Like, yeah, she was actively fighting against it. Yeah. That, that was yeah, disingenuous. And, right. And, and so that, that to me strikes more just like we're, we're just sort of having a dramatic, you know, moment for attention. And this isn't any kind of serious analysis of the space of possibility, you know, and, and especially it's like, I mean, yeah, I, I've been writing about politics for a long time. A Congress person like AOC does not come along very often. Mm -hmm. And I think they tend, tend to deserve a little bit of, you know, benefit of the doubt and at least a sort of comradely behavior. And I mean, unless they just absolutely stab you in the back, which yeah. I think is, you know, it's a disagreement about strategy and tactics, not like she's, you know, taking a job working for Exxon Mobil or something. <laughs> And yeah. that it's like saying "fuck you" and "fuck anyone who's support." It's like, come on, man! Like, yeah, like yeah, cut her yeah. some slack, dude. Up, up here with like, you know, every media microphone jams under her nose twenty four hours a day, and and it's like even the people that are supposedly on her side are saying "fuck you" because you won't do the thing that I thought of. And like, <laughs> why don't you run for Congress, Jimmy Dore? You live in California. It doesn't seem like it should be that hard, you know. And <laughs> so you know, I. I Maybe maybe this makes me a middle-aged, you know, beta male, but I, I just feel, I feel a little, you know, it's like, uh, be nice, you know, like, you don't so need to be fighting my, like cats in a sack all the time. It is that like, it's like a, it's like a dog with a bone kind of thing. Like, <laughs> it, 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 it's like he got the response, you know, which, yep, which even yep, for yep. me is like an encouraging sign of like, oh, you can get high and do a podcast enforce a congressperson or like seriously engage with your strategy um and, and look at me I, I got high and did a podcast and forced a journalist to engage with my strategy and and so like it, it in in that I is, to this so I will... <laughs> <laughs> and uh and, and sorry so, you were saying and uh and and so it, it is but i think he all that all that beautiful energy of like you know Oh, we can, Oh my God, we have this power. Let's do it. Like, I feel like he's now taking it like, Oh wow, I have this. And I do think even for him, there's going to be this dialing back of, Oh wow. We do have kind of this. Cause I really think for him, it is, I really read it as he, he, I don't, I don't read it as disingenuous. Even when he talks about the cares act stuff, I think he really genuinely does feel like personally betrayed that that got passed. He's like emotional right. about it, you know, I, and, and I really feel like there's going to be a dialing back and there needs to be among the media of like, okay, like we actually do have some power and responsibility here. And this probably is one of the ways forward we have to pressure people. Like I kind of disagree with the take that, you know, there's no incentive for AOC to listen to these external pressures. I think like someone like her who's running a populist movement, like, you, she, she kind of is very incentivized to engage with those ideas. And that's oh, like, she clearly is listening. Yeah. hundred percent. And like, I, you know, I kind of just feel like, um, it's a good thing. And like, I err on the side of, yeah, 
I get when Jimmy's red in the face because I think partially what he's responding to is the disingenuous responses you've gotten from some media people who are like, look at the white male left coming for AOC. And, and it's like a quote tweet of Justin Jackson. <laughs> it's like very much not on the white male left. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, sure, sure. And, uh, and, and so, and I think he wraps that all into one. And it's like, if you're not fully on my side, you're part of that attack on me. And, and, and you know, and, and he has been the subject of a lot of, you know, people who do, there is this inclination where, and, and I'm already seeing it, she's kind of like an Obama figure. Like, there are people I know who aren't very serious in politics. Like, even there's this influencer that I, I knew years ago who's now a huge influencer and doesn't really post about politics or anything too political. Um, and it, I think is more of a Republican, but like, will post like the motivational photos of AOC as like a f- inspirational woman. Like, it's be- she's become yeah. almost larger than like the AOC figure. And I think there's this, I think good, uh, and, and I think, in, and I think useful and instructive, like kind of instinct to be like to knock that down and to be like, okay, no, 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 we don't need another one of those. We, well, we need someone who's gonna who's gonna work for us. I, I, I would say no. I, I that's wrong. I think it's uh, useful that I, people like our influencers are posting her, but I get the inclination to be like, oh, we need to fight against this. And and there's also that kind of gatekeeping of you know, if this becomes mainstream and palatable, am I cool anymore? Uh, which, which, which is everything. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's, that is very uh, well observed that there, there's a sort of like, oh, I'm, I'm countercultural now. And if, 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 if Medicare for all is going to win, it needs to become normie. It yeah. needs to become definitionally the average viewpoint, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's not it's not edgy, it's not edgy anymore. It's yep. it would be for, you know, Facebook dads yep. and uh, you know Instagram wine moms, yeah, exactly. Um, and <laughs> you know that that's why I think AOC is, you know, encouraging. I think she's still kind of learning the ropes as as witnessed by getting rinsed in this committee vote, um, <laughs> yeah. but you know setting this aside it's certainly not any kind of ideological betrayals she's certainly like like top three or four most lefty members of congress elected in the last 30 years and her you know ebullient personality and you know beauty frankly is very appealing to a lot of people and and you know it makes it makes uh i think it makes her her politics you know which you know i think i largely share for the most part a bit of a job guarantee skeptic myself but you know we'll set that aside comradely (laughs) disagreement um uh it's just a very you know again people like her do not come around very often and i think she is like obama in that obama was an exceptional political talent just in terms of getting shit done the shit that he got done was bad for the most part like he did a lot of terrible stuff but i Mm -hmm. think that that uh aoc has that same kind of talent you know and she's much earlier in her career i think she needs you know some by her own admission needs some seasoning needs some practice she is still very young uh but you know you can see it It, you know it's like sort of baseball coach type stuff it's like ah this one's good this one's really got some some spark yeah and uh you know so I hope she. Um, I hope she doesn't get driven out by all this. You know, I mean, and, and she actually has alluded to in interviews, and I'm sure you're aware of this. That she like sometimes thinks about running away to a farm with her boyfriend, and I'm like, oh, yeah, like you know, that would suck. 
I don't want to have to like come find you like you're like Hawkeye <laughs> on the farm like hey, we need you but I'm not like please don't do that to us um because because yeah no I mean truly um <laughs> uh you know listen I uh I get to give Jimmy Dore and and that whole movement some credit she now is on the record saying we need different leadership from Pelosi and Schumer which I don't know how helpful yeah. that is but it, they did force her hand in saying that. And like, but here's the thing. She said it. She took a big political risk by when asked that question being like, yeah, of course we need new leadership. They screwed us. And the fact that we have someone willing to say that shows me like, this is someone who's on our side. And like, yeah. and, and, and yeah. to be honest, she very well may have gotten rinsed in this vote due to some of the turmoil that happened this week. I, I oh, would yeah. say people will make that argument. I would probably disagree with it and say that she probably would have gotten rinsed either way. But Maybe it would have been 10 votes shy. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and, but in, and, and listen, I get the inclination of people to like, want to really just push for the maximum thing when it's been so, it's been such a difficult kind of yeah. year. Um, and, and just because we feel more than ever, we have the moral high ground. I mean, I remember when COVID was first hitting and it was that debate between Bernie and, and Biden, it was like, we everyone was wishing that he was really going to focus in on that pandemic stuff more and really hit it like no people's yeah. lives are at stake and people could die and i think that's kind of what people want aoc to do right now but who knows if she really does have the uh the platform to meaningfully do that and and i think the thing that i agree with the most and i brought it up is that like we could force this and i guess i still think it's a good idea but even if, even if it's in the hearts and minds and on, on a low level street level people are agreeing with it the media is probably still going to cover it in a really disingenuous way. And, and, and it's going to just completely be yeah. seen as the left being spoilers and, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, to, to, to talk about a different time when like paying, paying some attention might've helped, uh, you know, before the election, there, there was a, a, n a number of cases when it seemed as though, uh, uh uh, basically a $1.8 trillion economic rescue package, like CARES Act 2.0. Uh, CARES Act was actually good. <laughs> but it, it was more good than bad, I would say. I'll disagree yeah, with Jimmy yeah. about that one as well. But, but um, you know, another, another big bailout, another round of checks, some more unemployment insurance and so on, that was on the table. And it seems clear to me that Pelosi shot it down because he didn't want to help Trump win. Yep. Now that Trump's lost, they're talking about a – what, a $900 billion or a $740 billion? I mean, just like cutting in half or more than half, and it's not going to have a lot of the things that were in the original thing. And so- Come on, that man. We have a president that believes in science. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And so that, you know, I think um, that would have been a very useful time for oh, very yeah. angry guys to sort of get up and be like, hey, Pelosi, where's my money? You know, yeah. why don't you- let this through um, because she more or less admitted. I mean, it would, that would have been a real risk. Yeah. I think that if that had passed, Trump might've won. Yeah. I think but people you were so had the... checked out at that time. The only yep. people talking about yeah. were like crystal ball and, and cigar and taze. Like, like Jeff you Stein. Yeah. Jeff Stein. Yep. And, and yeah, like you, you really, there were, there was not a lot of people focused on it, even though it was. And, and that's the thing, I guess my disappointment in, in, in not just this issue is like, you know, we give a lot of lip service to these things being life or death. And then sometimes it feels like we forget that, you know, as a movement. Um, 
And, and, and I think yeah. that's what some of this backlash is, is people being like, come on, like, let's take it. We need, come on, wake up. We got to take it seriously. And like, I, right. I, and I, I, I'm willing to admit that some of that energy is being put into the wrong, you know, <laughs> that is misplaced. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, I would just say, um, you know, I got to run here in a minute, but uh, that it's still going on right now. Right now they are negotiating over, you know, CARES Act, like 0.25, whatever it might be. Um, and you can call your Congress congressperson, uh, especially if you live in any kind of swing district, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, Pennsylvania, I, I have a Republican senator and a Democratic senator, you know, so I, I've um, called up uh, Mr. Pat Toomey. It probably didn't do any good, but I, I did uh, leave him a voicemail saying, you know, please, sir, May I have some 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 check some checks, please, um, and some some uh, some aid for our city of Philadelphia, so we don't have to just flush our entire transit system down the toilet. Um, and so, you know, like that, there. The, this is a concrete area where, like, the actual stakes of what is going to happen are very concrete and very much up in the air, mm-hmm. and you know, individuals can potentially, you know, if we band together change the outcome of of what's going to could happen now not symbolic anything not seeing you know some sort of like arguably misleading sort of index of who's on your side and who isn't Mm -hmm. like actual concrete material checks in in material hands yeah uh you know it's gonna be a hearts and minds battle you know people like money (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you know huge underrated factor i think in why trump uh did as well as he did oh yeah big time the the cares act was the most generous piece of legislation aimed at the bottom like half of american society ever we've never given people that voted trump because of that so yeah i mean if you if if you were in the sweet spot if if you got laid off in april you know you're getting $2,400 a month extra on top of your normal unemployment plus $1,200 plus, you know, if your wife or kid, $500 for uh, kids. And so, you know, you're looking at $3,400 for a family of four plus $2,400 a month uh, for, for the, for it ended in July. Right. So some people got like 30 grand, they doubled or tripled their income. I mean, that has never happened. Not even mm-hmm. close, you know, talk about 40 acres and a mule. I mean, yeah. this is yeah. way over and above that. And I think a lot of people who basically don't understand that the federal government exists on a sort of deep level, were like, holy fuck, <laughs> like, yeah. look, look at what is possible. Yeah. I guess that must be the president's responsibility since he's the president. And he sent me a letter saying, taking responsibility for the this check that came in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like elementary politics. Yeah. And, you know, now he's gone and that could happen again. Yeah. And, um, you know, it really, you know, I mean, it was inadequate. A lot of people got left out and so on and so forth. The unemployment insurance systems are all fucked up. Yeah. There are a lot of caveats. But the people who did get it, you know, it was, it was life-changing. I yeah. know the people that was completely changed there, like, like they went from destitution to having a 15 grand at the bank for the first time in their entire lives. Yeah. And, um, you know, that is 
a smaller version of that, alas, uh, probably is on the table. Something, at least some scraps. Yeah. And so, you know, it's that could be like, us. It's looking like uh, 600 people are saying, which is, you know, at least it's something. Yeah. Know. We'll see. I mean, if, you know, if we had riots in every street, where's my money, Mitch? Well, so like uh, that's, and, and that's, I guess, where my, where, where my, one of my arguments for pushing the vote would be is that, you do it, you get the hearts of mind, you get people angry, you say, these are the people not voting for it, and you get people out in the street. You know, COVID's about to end. People are willing to go back outside again. You know, I, yeah. I think uh, uh, this that's discounted, too. I think a lot of people that were out in the streets, you know, aren't trying to catch COVID. And once once it's up, I think people are still very angry and, and, and to be continued. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Well, listen, man. Thank you so much for coming on. This was this was awesome. Huge deal. Sure for me. thing. Huge fan of your work. Um, you guys can check out his work at the Week, and then uh, you guys have Left Anchor Pod, um, which is awesome. You guys should check that out too. Anything else you want to plug? Uh, nope, that's just about it. All I got right. a book coming out in like like nine months, maybe. So All right, sweet. Keep keep your eyes peeled for that. Any uh, any info on what that's going to be? It's going to be called, uh, how are you going to pay for that? <laughs> I like that. Nice. We're going to be yeah. hearing a lot of that in the next four years. <laughs> Deficit Hawks inbound. Yep. Yep. All right. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. Sure thing.